Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We have come to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, and we come to one of the most gut-wrenching stories of faith in the Bible. Abraham offering up Isaac on Mount Moriah. There is so much to learn from the story, but today we take from the passage in Hebrews the primary lesson that God wants to underscore. Abraham did what he did because he believed in God fully, confidently. It is a lesson in faith. Again, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19 this morning, and we go back to something that we said just a couple of weeks ago in speaking of Abraham, and we noted that Abraham was born and raised among idolaters, that God intervened in the historical pattern of Abraham's life and the pattern of false worship that had been laid down through Abraham's parentage, and God spoke to Abraham. And God, in speaking to Abraham, called Abraham away from his society and away from their idolatry. And Abraham responded. And amazingly, because of Abraham's response, he became the father of all the faithful followers of the one true God from that point on. God called Abraham to travel to a distant land that he had never been to before and he'd never seen before. And he didn't know the way to. And God called him to that place with one promise, and that promise was that one day that land would become his as a possession, and it would be the place from which out of him would rise up a nation that would possess that land, and through that nation all the nations on the earth would be blessed. Abraham went to that place following God, and all the years of Abraham's life he lived as a foreigner in that land. He lived in a tent in that land He lived in a land that was occupied by other people and other nations, a land that he counted God would one day fulfill and give to him and to his seed, but he himself never possessed it. He occupied it, but he never possessed it as one that he owned himself. It was owned by these other people. But he believed that God could be counted faithful to what God said and that one day out of his own life and out of his own being would rise up a people that would occupy and possess that land and bless all of the earth. Abraham had a wife, Sarah, and she was barren. In their old age, through all the years of answering God and following God, they came to old age without any children. And the question could honestly be asked, and Abraham and Sarah asked this question, and they tried to solve the problem of this question in a wrong and inappropriate way, and we talked about that last week. How is God going to keep His promise to us? How is God going to make it possible that in this land where we are living as foreigners, make it possible for our children to possess it and a great nation to rise up from us that would inherit this land when we have no children. But they believed God. Even in the sinful way and the wrong way in which they sought to answer that promise in their own flesh and their own power, Something that motivated that response was they believed God. They believed what God had said. They believed God was going to do this thing. God had given the promise to Abraham. God had renewed that promise over and over again to Abraham. And Abraham believed God for it. And the day came when 
Abraham's elderly wife, Sarah, did conceive and brought forth a son. And God indicated to them that this would be the child of the promise. This would be from this one that the seed of blessing would rise up. That would bring forth the seed that you could not number from that nation. All the nations on the earth would be blessed. After years of living as strangers in a strange land without a child of their own, God gave them miraculously this child, Isaac, this one called laughter, and through him the promise was to live on, and through him the promise was to find its fulfillment. Actually, to most of us looking at Abraham and Sarah at that time, or anybody that was wandering by their tents, it would be hard for them to believe that in that little place, among that tent and those tents, with that old couple, with this little boy, was the seed of promise, of this great, profound promise that God had given to Abraham, but it was true. That little child was an embodiment of everything that God had promised. That little child was the radiating embodiment of everything that they claimed in all the land around them where their tents were nailed down or where they traveled through. Here's how it worked. God had promised something to Abraham, and that was enough for Abraham. Abraham had walked with God. Abraham had begun to know God. God had communed with him and communicated with him. In the very presence of God, God had renewed something that God had revealed to Abel and that God had revealed to Enoch and that passed on to Noah, that God was to be met at the place of sacrifice that a holy and powerful God must be met at the place at which sacrifice is laid down and a penalty is paid for the price of their own sins. And you'll see that everywhere that Abraham went through the land, whenever he resided in that place of promise, he would construct an altar and there he'd offer his sacrifices and there he'd meet with God and God would continue to speak to him and reveal himself to him. And Abraham knew God. Abraham trusted in what God said. He believed in what God said. And now Abraham and Sarah had the son of promise. And he knew that God was true to his word. God kept his promise, even that little boy. And then we come to Genesis chapter 22. And in Genesis chapter 22, God tests Abraham's faith even further. If it were not enough that Abraham had left his family, that Abraham had traveled by a way that he did not know, that Abraham lived in a strange country in tents, believing that God one day would give it to him and his heritage, that Abraham ultimately trusted God to receive by faith power with Sarah to conceive and bring forth a little child. If that was not enough, God tested Abraham's faith even further. And in Genesis chapter 22, God calls upon Abraham in the middle of the night to take his one and only son of promise, laughter, Isaac, and to take him to the region of Mount Moriah and to offer him there as a burnt offering before the Lord. It's kind of an important study to actually consider why God would ask such a thing of Abraham. And we don't have time to go into depth to understand why God would even ask this of Abraham. But we should realize one thing here, that this test was to bring out what was in Abraham. This test that God runs is to bring out or bring into the opening and to bring out as a declaration what is in Abraham. This is done for Abraham's sake, but more than for Abraham's sake, this was done for our sake. We were to see what God had placed and what God had worked in the life of Abraham, and we were to see it in a full expression of faith for us to identify with. 
Romans 15.4 says, Whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. We're to look at what's gone before, we're to see what God has done, and we're to derive from it a pursuit and a lifestyle and an expression in our own lives that is reflection of the hope that these individuals that went before us had themselves. There are many things that we can learn by way of this passage. And if we were to just take Genesis chapter 22, and by the way, this morning, we we can't just look at Hebrews chapter 11. We have to look at the corollary story in Genesis chapter 22. But the Spirit of God in Hebrews 11 underscores the main lesson that's to be learned from Genesis chapter 22. And the lesson is one of faith. This is the story of the triumph of the simple faith, the marvelous faith of one individual. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So number one, let's just put this down. Abraham's faith was simple. Abraham's faith was a simple faith. Basically, it worked this way. He knew who God was. He knew what God said. He believed, he had confidence in who God was, and therefore he believed and had confidence in everything that God said. God said it. Abraham believed it, God speaks, Abraham believes, and this is the essence of his faith. It is simply believing God. It's having confidence in all that he knows to be true of God, and as a result, taking God at his word, trusting him, and in that trust, entrusting to him all the things that pertain to his own life, all the things that he claims and holds to as dear, he holds to bound up within the very character of God, bound up in all that he's learned to be true of God, bound up in the very words of God. Abraham had through all this time come to have supreme confidence in God and his character. And that simple faith of Abraham had taken him from his homeland, it had taken him from his people, it had brought him to this strange land to live as a sojourner, but claiming that land as the land of promise. It had been by that simple faith that he had received power to bring forth a child through Sarah. And now God speaks to Abraham again, this man of simple faith. And one of the things you won't see in all of Genesis chapter 22 that we had read to us earlier this morning, one thing you will not see is you will not see any questions arising from Abraham. We can imagine that there were questions, but they're not recorded for us. You don't see a hint of any confusion rising from Abraham at this time. You can imagine there might be confusion. You see no expression of doubt rising out of Abraham at this time. Certain that Abraham doesn't understand all that God is purposing here. It's certain that Abraham doesn't understand how God is going to work and what God is going to do. But there's one thing that's clear. Abraham does understand what God is commanding him to do. He understands it. And he does understand who God is. And he does understand that God's word is true. So one of the things you'll see in this passage is that he doesn't hesitate to respond. He does exactly what God is telling him to do. Abraham believed God. And so Abraham is now left with a command that seems to be running away from all the promises that God had given him. And all the promises that they had, in a sense, been working their way and hoping for all these years in this one son, sacrifice this son. Bring him to him, sacrifice him to me. And Abraham doesn't discount all that God has said before. And he can't reconcile it with what God is saying here. 
but he believes in God. He believes in God. He knows Him. He trusts Him. And he goes on living in obedience and trust. Interesting, in my mind, Abraham doesn't limit his act of obedience to the point at which he somehow has understood everything that God is doing. He simply obeys. There's no questioning that's indicated here, as I said. There's no doubting that's indicated here. There's simply a belief in what God has said. There is, I think, in the result of this, though, an application of the reason. And there's a sense, when God has revealed himself, Abraham is thinking through what God is doing. In fact, our passage in Hebrews reveals to us that Abraham has to think through what God has. He has to reason through what God is saying. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't know what God is doing, but he's going to obey. But, but he still has to reason with what God has in mind. If this son is the son of promise, and this son is the one by which all of the earth will be blessed and a whole nation will rise from me, and God has asked me to go and sacrifice him, what's the reasonable conclusion that Abraham comes up with? Then God is going to have to raise him back from the dead. God will have to just bring him back to life. I'm going to do what God says, but I'm reasoning based on what God has said to me already and what God has promised, and I know he's true to his word, and I know who God is. This is what God is going to have to do. And so there's no questioning in a sense. There's no doubt here, but there is a consistent application of reason based upon believing in God and believing in God's word. And interestingly enough, the answer that Abraham comes up with is wrong, but the reason that he came up with it was right. He believed that God was true, and God would be true to what he says. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.